lock and load. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, Executive Director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry. Good morning. Welcome to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour on this beautiful Saturday in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. Nice August morning. going to be uh, probably... If uh, the weather prediction sounds as corrected, it's going to be hot this afternoon. May get a little bit of rain. Who knows? That's what normally happens here in August. Today, I don't have a guest. I'm doing something a little bit different. I've, uh, this is the first time I've tried this, and it may not work. And you're certainly uh, welcome to send in comments to uh, to J. Henry at GeorgiaCarry.org or GCO Radio Hour. And let me know what you think about it. What I'm uh, going to try to do today is... Uh, Give everybody a little background on George Carey. Uh, I know we've talked a lot about that, but I, I want to make sure that people really understand who we are, where we came from, and what we've done. And, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, uh, and uh, that that should be enough to, to make you want to turn off the program, but we'll do it anyway and see what happens. Uh, this is uh, basically about some of the questions I've asked and I've been asked, and, and people want to know uh, who we are. Well, Georgia Carey is a group of people that I say represents a cross-section of the state of Georgia in terms of ages, races, religions, etc. We're just, uh, you, you take a, a percentage of the people and you'll find Georgia Carey members in that percentage and representing those particular uh, groups. We're a volunteer grassroots organization, which means that your participation in GCO is crucial uh, to our success. If you're a member, you need to volunteer. You need to help us out a little bit uh, if you have time. We we understand that uh, you can't spend all your time volunteering for us or anybody else as everybody has a life that they have to go through. And some of the ways you can volunteer is through uh, recruiting efforts at uh, gun shows, uh, which have kind of pretty much died out in the last few years. Uh, but we still have festivals, and especially in the fall, we're like going to have a lot of festivals coming up. Uh, and that's a good place for you to go to represent Georgia Carey and help us uh, gain membership through your efforts. I want to remind you, too, about or maybe tell some of you for the first time that we have several uh, chapters, uh, local chapters, uh, here in, uh, in Georgia. And I'm going to give you the names of those groups. They're on our website under contacts. If you click on the website, georgiacarry.org, go under contacts, you go down, you'll find a place that says GCO Local, uh, local Chapters. Uh, our, first, uh, our first chapter was actually in uh, South Georgia, Valdosta. James Rankhorn is a contact there. He meets down in that area. Normally our, um, our chapters meet one meeting a, uh, a month. And uh, it's publicized uh, by them, basically. They do it on, through Facebook and, and email. And if they request an email uh, from uh, me, I'll send one of those out to everybody so that you know. But we got the North Atlanta chapter, which is uh, basically Cobb County. Don Towers, who has been uh, our guest here before, runs that one, along with Buddy Simpson. 
uh, South Metro chapter. That's down in Fayetteville. That, uh, they meet in Fayetteville. They meet in uh, Peachtree City and the surrounding areas, basically. And uh, that is run by Mike Strickland and Philip Doolittle. Uh, Philip has also been a guest here. We have a mid-chapter, mid-state chapter, which is down in Dublin, and that's Ron Schwartz. We have an ITP chapter, which is here in Atlanta, that's inside the perimeter, and that's Blaine McCaleb. Uh, we have a north or west-northwest Atlanta chapter, which is Paul and Dean County, and that's uh, Jeremy Tyson. Uh, northeast Atlanta chapter, Gwinnett County, and that's David uh, Lowry and his daughter, uh, Doreen. Uh, we have the West Georgia chapter down in LaGrange, and that's Josh uh, Coggin. And we have a brand-new North Fulton Forsyth GCO chapter whose first meeting was uh, uh, this past Thursday. Uh, John Monroe was there to speak, and that's uh, in Johns Creek. Cindy Lasky is the uh, contact and coordinator for that particular one. So when you're out in these areas, uh, check on them, see what they're doing. Uh, most of them are held in the in the evening, uh, sometimes on a Saturday afternoon, and we get together, have dinner. We'll have a speaker, maybe a local politician, uh, one of the board members, myself, uh, and come down and talk and just have a have a good time, get to know each other, and, and understand a little bit more about what GCO is all about. And it, it's about more than changing the gun laws. Yes, that's our goal, uh, but it's also about establishing a. a friendship and contacts and people of like uh, with like interest i think it's something that we all need to to know more of and uh, i know it's been it's been great for me but i've been in a position probably to meet more than than most of the rest of you but it's still been a, a terrific uh, thing for me and my family and uh, so some of the questions that i've been asked and, and i don't want to bore you with these but i'll give you the answers if you're thinking about asking me uh, where am i from what kind of family do I have? I'm originally from, uh, well, I was born in a little town called Leonard, Texas. I was raised in a place called Bells, Texas, and moved to uh, to Dallas, Texas when I was uh, 14 years old. Stayed there for a few years when uh, Vietnam came along. I joined the Navy, spent four years in the Navy, came back home, and uh, shortly thereafter, I met a young lady where I worked. Uh, we dated very, very shortly. Within about six months after our first date, we were married. And that will have been 46 years ago this November the 26th. So uh, we think it might last. Not sure yet. But uh, I have I have two daughters, uh, two beautiful young daughters. I have uh, that's Sarah and Jennifer. And I have uh, two grandchildren. I have a, a granddaughter who is uh, uh, almost 21, I believe. Her name is Taylor, and uh, I have a grandson, Nathan, who is 18. And um, we live down uh, down in Fairburn. We got 41 acres down there and um, a whole bunch of horses. We uh, have a therapeutic riding center for people with disabilities. So that's one of the things I do. The other thing that I do right now, basically, besides uh, executive director here, I also shoe horses for a living. I've been shoeing horses now for about uh, 33, 34 years, and I'm about wore out, but it's it's been fun. I enjoy it. I'm still doing it, and uh, so it was. Uh, it's kind of a a labor of love that that I think everybody needs something to keep their attention away from 
from some of the the other things that sometimes we put in in more importance in our life. Um, I, being raised in Bells, Texas, there were an awful lot of guns around. Kids had guns from from the time they were nine or ten years old. They went hunting in the woods. Uh, nobody thought anything about it. You could walk downtown with a with a rifle over your shoulder and. People ask if you've been hunting or if you're going hunting. And if you've been hunting, they say, what'd you get? If you're going hunting, they say, y'all be careful. And that was the only eyebrows that was ever raised. And to me, that's the way it should be. And that's what I'd like to see us get back to at some point in time, where when somebody has a gun, the only question you have is, what caliber is it? What's the manufacturer? Something along those lines. Not get scared and run because they're afraid you're going to do something. Uh, We don't need those kind of people, but we do need the kind of, of life where we can can relax and enjoy life and not have to worry about those sort of things. Um, Throughout my career, I have uh, done things from designing telephone equipment to uh, being a project manager for a a billion-dollar company. So I've worked for small companies. I've worked for large companies. I've worked for myself. And actually, the whole time that I was doing most of that, at least the last 35 years of it, I was working two jobs because I was shooing full-time and and uh, holding down a job elsewhere. Uh, I uh, Just one of those things, I just, I just couldn't stop. And, and coming along here with Georgia Carey, uh, you know, we moved to Georgia in 1979 from uh, a little place called North Richmond Hills, Texas, just outside of Fort Worth, um, which uh, I, I moved here with another company or with a company because they wanted us to come down here and start up a company. And then Noonan uh, was uh, selected as the headquarters of the company, mainly because the guy who was the general manager had graduated from Georgia Tech, and he wanted to come back to Atlanta. I didn't realize that that was the way a lot of business decisions were made, but I found that out pretty quickly. So we moved down here, and about six months later, I was offered an opportunity to uh, go back to Texas uh, with the same company, and I turned it down. I we decided when we got here that Georgia is where we were going to stay, and that's what we've done, and uh, we still have no plans of leaving whatsoever. So um, it's been a, you know, it's been a kind of a, uh, we've, gotten, we've gotten where we are by roundabout ways. We didn't really sit down and design anything. It just kind of came along, and as got time to make a decision, we made the decision we thought was best, which everyone should do, and... Uh, wound up here in Georgia, and uh, then the next thing you know, I'm involved with Georgia Carey about the time that I think I'm going to be retiring. I start getting involved with Georgia Carey, and the next thing I know, I'm up to my elbows and uh, going to the state capitol and trying to get things changed and trying to inform everybody what was going on, and uh, we'll discuss that here in just a few minutes. We're going to take a short break here. want to remind you to go to georgiacarry.org. You can find all the contact information that I've mentioned before here on the local chapters. You can find my contact information. And anybody uh, basically in the organization, you can uh, join. You could uh, read all about us. You can download the commercial-free podcast here at, at, at georgiacarry.org or here at uh, newstalk1160.com, and we'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. 
Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Uh, continuing on with what we were saying before, the, or what I was saying before the break, um, moved to Georgia, uh, worked down here for a while, and, and was getting about to the point where I figured I'm about ready to retire. And uh, one afternoon, I was walking, or one evening, I was walking across the, the sunroom uh, floor, and I heard my wife's, uh, my wife watches local news, I don't. But I heard somebody on the news, they played a, a teaser that a local representative was introducing a gun law to to do away with the archaic gun laws in Georgia. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Let me see what he's got to say. And I came back and listened to him. It was a guy named Tim Bearden. Tim Bearden uh, was a representative of uh, over in uh, Villarica. He, um, he became involved with us after he heard our uh, first president make a, a presentation at one of the, the hearings on a, on a gun bill. And he decided that we could partner up and, and help each other. And he helped us get through a lot of things. And he, he wound up being our first uh, legislator of the year after we passed HB 89. And he, today he's a, still a good friend. He's working for the Speaker of the House right now. Uh, but he is a good friend of Georgia Carey, and I guarantee you he's a good friend of yours if you like to carry firearms. Uh, he he was the one that really helped set us on our way. Uh, but I heard this promo, and I wait and listened. I sent him an email the, that evening. said, I'm interested in your gun bill. Tell me a little bit about it. And the next morning, I looked at my email, and here's a, an email from Tim Bearden. And it says, go to this website. These guys got all the information and had georgiacarry.org. And I thought, well, what kind of deal is this? You know, your bill, you need to, you want me to go somewhere else and find out what it's about. And I went to georgiacarry.org. I was, uh, I lived in Fairburn. About 15 minutes down the road from me is a place called Fayetteville. And that's what it shows on the uh, website. Is, uh, they, we're, we're web-based, but our... Uh, our home registration is a post office box in Fayetteville. So I started reading it, and I said, what in the world? <laughs> Where did these guys come from? I immediately joined, and I went out, printed out several applications, and when I would go to my horseshoeing customers, I'd pass them out and say, here, you need to, you need to join these guys. This is what they're trying to do. And uh, as I've said it many times, I was recruiting for Georgia Care before I was officially a member. And... Uh, so then I, I uh, read every email that we came out with, every, every email that was published. I read it from one end to the other, tried to learn all I could about what was going on with the gun laws in Georgia, what we needed to do to, to change them, et cetera. And about, uh, well, that was in January of 2008. And in, uh, in uh, July of 2008, uh, HB 89, which was what we were working to get passed, uh, was signed into law. Uh, after that, the the email uh, they sent out an update and said we need somebody to recruit down at uh, the farmers market in Forest Park. So I said, well, surely I can do that. Went down and did it. First uh, gun show that I ever went to. I I confess I was a recruiting coordinator for GeorgiaCarry.org. I just never hung out at gun shows, but uh, went in, started doing it. And I will tell you that I have been to a lot of conventions, a lot of shows in my life. And when I saw how basic we were and how how rudimentary it looked, I said, I don't I don't like this. this next time I come up here, it's going to look better than this. 
And I immediately started to try to make things look a little bit better, the table itself look a little bit better, and make it more inviting to people, and make it look like we we were professional and knew what we were doing. And about uh, three or four months after that, the president came into one of our gun shows and saw it and was really impressed. Make a long story short, in another probably three months or so, I was named the statewide recruiting coordinator. We uh, went to our first convention here in Georgia. Uh, we've now had nine. We're coming up on ten. Uh, well, next year we'll, we'll be our tenth. And um, at that convention, I was asked if I would consider uh, interviewing for the executive director's job. And as I've said again many times, many of you have heard me say this, uh, I was told that I would become the face of Georgia Carey. And I looked directly in Ed Stone and I said, you want this to be the face of your organization? I kind of I kind of question your uh, kind of question your motives here because you could probably find a better place face. But at any rate, uh, in uh, October of 2009, uh, I was named executive director. Uh, they had grown to the point where they needed somebody to take over and try to make sure that emails got answered, et cetera, and take workload off the people who uh, were uh, full-time workers and didn't really have time to do this, and me being semi-retired and, and working on my own schedule, I could do that. And so it worked out good for both of us. And uh, the next thing you know, I guess I was the face of, or I am the face of georgiacarry.org. Uh, and it's a it's a position that I dearly love. It's it's something that I can do to give back to people, uh, not only this state, but Georgia Carey has a lot of tentacles. We've reached an awful lot of people. We've helped people in other states. We have members uh, really all over the world. We have members in China. We have members in uh, Germany, Finland. Uh, we have life members in several states here other than, than Georgia. So people know about who we are because they've seen what we've done. And uh, there's, uh, there's one group here in uh, this state that claims to be a a gun rights organization who calls us the biggest gun control group in the state of Georgia. Now, I'm going to go through some of our accomplishments, and then when we get through, I want you to compare our our accomplishments with those accomplishments of theirs and see who you think is the gun control group and who is the one that's actually doing the work. Uh, another question, though, before I do that, I was asked if I'd ever had any training in public speaking or, or TV or any of that kind of stuff, and the answer is no. Uh, I uh, I had to go out shaking and trembling the, the first time. The first time I was on TV scared me half to death, but uh, I hit it fairly well, and I've I've gotten accustomed to uh, gotten accustomed to doing that and talking about our uh, issues and our rights, etc. And, of course, that's, uh, that is kind of an evolving thing. The more you do it, the, the more comfortable you are with it. Um, so we started off, um, I've got here a list of accomplishments that we've done in the last 10 years, and I'm going to go through them and explain each one of them and kind of where we came from. And, and I'm not sure that I'm going to have time to do it on this radio program. We may have to schedule a second half of it for the next uh, next show, but... Uh, the first thing we did, of course, was we went for, for what we call low-hanging hanging fruit. We filed several lawsuits uh, against municipalities. You've heard about the preemption lawsuit down in Noonan 
where the uh, or down in Cuyahoga County where the uh, local community local government would not allow you to carry in parks we won that and we got all the parks cleaned up in this state where you could carry uh, we filed lawsuits against all the probate judges for not uh, issuing licenses on time we filed probate uh, or we filed a uh, uh, lawsuit against uh, the uh, probate judge and the sheriff from requiring your social security number on your application because that's a federal uh, privacy law. Uh, so we, we had all these in our pocket before we actually started getting any laws passed. And uh, we were very successful. We used to get uh, we used to get bad press from the uh, AJC and every time they'd write an article about how scary and how bad we were, we would have uh, we'd have probably three, four, five hundred new members. Uh, so uh, we enjoyed their their press. At least we benefited from their public from their uh, uh, public disdain of us. The first bill that was signed was HB eighty nine in in uh, two thousand eight. HB eighty nine started off as a parking lot bill, and that's what it was called. And that's all it was going to allow was for you to carry uh, in the parking lot uh, at your employer. Uh, we went down, made a speech about it, and that's where we uh, that's where we met Tim Bearden. His him was the one that was carrying that bill, and he decided after our uh, Ed Stone spoke about it that we should talk and see what we can do together. And uh, HB 89 was the first true uh, restoration of rights in the gun rights uh, in the state of Georgia by anyone uh, from the Civil War on. Um, so uh, some of the things that it did was it eliminated a requirement of having to have a, fire, a license to have a firearm in your vehicle. You could have it in your vehicle, but if it wasn't in, uh, it had to be in your glove compartment, in your uh, console, or fully exposed, and that means absolutely nothing touching it. Uh, and the problem came if is if your wife uh, had a was driving your car, you left your firearm under the seat. She got stopped. The firearm was discovered. Guess what? She was in trouble. So we got that eliminated, where you can have it in your vehicle, in your home on your property or at your place of business without a license. Now, I'm going to have to break right about here. We've got another break coming up. Uh, I want to remind you, go to georgiacarry.org, check us out, uh, and you can uh, you can download the, the free podcast there, although here at uh, Newstalk1160.com, they get them a little bit quicker than we do. So uh, go there, and we'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. A uh, little, uh, little bit of talking about what Georgia Carry is, what we've done, etc. And I will continue where we were. Prior to the break, I said it eliminated the requirement of having to have a license to have a firearm in your vehicle if it was concealed. Uh, you could have it concealed in the glove compartment or the console, but not anywhere else. That meant if you had it in the seat of your car and you got in, you pitched a magazine over on it, and it covered up any portion of the gun, it was concealed. Uh, that allowed us uh, 
allowed to carry uh, firearms in parks, recreation areas, and wildlife management uh, areas. Uh, prior to that, you couldn't do that. Uh, it allowed firearms on public transportation. If I, prior to HB 89, now remember at this time we still had the public gathering law, which we'll get into on the next bill because that's when we repealed it. But the public uh, gathering law uh, was uh, was very restrictive. Uh, you couldn't carry in, in numerous places. In fact, uh, Georgia was about the number 43, 44 uh, most restrictive state in the country with more places off limits than than even California or, or places like that. So prior to this, you couldn't get on a on public transportation with a firearm, and it was a felony for you to carry a firearm within a reasonable, di- reasonable distance of a bus stop. Now, you tell me what a reasonable distance is. I don't know. If you're in an area where, I guess, where a policeman could see it, that might be reasonable. So it, it was another one of those unreasonable laws that we got rid of. Uh, this law placed a time limit on the probate judges as to when they had to issue a license. We're a shall-issue state. If you pass all the requirements for having a license, then the probate judge shall issue you a license. Uh, and they were doing that, but they were doing it at their leisure. Uh, it was nothing for you to walk in, and, and some people still tell you this, although it's not right. They'll tell you, well, it's going to take three to six months before you get it. Not so. HB 89 made 45 days. And we will discuss later on how we trim that down just a little bit. But um, at that time, also, you couldn't carry into a restaurant that served alcohol if the business derived more than 50% of revenue from food, but prohibited, uh, but you were prohibited consuming alcohol in those places. So you couldn't, uh, you couldn't carry into, prior to this, you couldn't carry into a restaurant. That served alcohol. You couldn't go into Applebee's. You couldn't go into Hooters. You couldn't go into um, Longhorn Steak. I mean, there's any of those restaurants that had a bar. You couldn't go into it, and you also couldn't have it in your in the parking lot because the public gathering also had uh, provisions of parking lot. Now, uh, this HB 89, you were allowed to carry into restaurants that served alcohol, but you were prohibited from consuming alcohol. And you had to determine when you went in there whether or not you felt that they had 51% of their revenue coming from food. If they did, you were okay. If they didn't, it was considered a bar or tavern or something along those lines, and it was against the law for you to be there. Now, we also had a little a little flare uh, up here by allowing firearms on public transportation. Uh, Mayor Shirley Frady of Atlanta went down the day that the bill went into effect and announced that she was declaring the Atlanta airport a public gathering. We filed suit. Judge Shub agreed with her that it was a public gathering, so we we went back for uh, further legislative action on that one. Um, but this was a, a really a good gun bill in 2008 for us because, as I said, we, we probably moved, uh, I believe at that time we moved up from 45th up to 30-something. Uh, and uh, this was a start of, of where we've been. Uh, in uh, 2010, we had SB 308 signed into law. That was carried by Mitch Sebaugh, a senator. And th- 
one of the main things it did was one of our goals when we started was to get rid of the public gathering law. Uh, it was a Jim Crow law that was uh, passed in 1870, right after the Civil War. And the whole design of that law was to keep guns out of the hands of blacks. At that time, all people who held public offices in the state of Georgia uh, were white. Uh, it was against the law for anybody else to because at that time, we can and I can show you a, a Supreme Court case that said that only white people were citizens of Georgia, and you had to be a citizen of Georgia to hold these offices. And uh, this repealed that 140-year-old public gathering law. The public gathering law stated that you could not carry to or while at a public gathering, which consists of but is not limited to bars, churches, government buildings, sporting events, and political rallies. So that meant that uh, there were just weren't a lot of places you could carry. In fact, one of the, the uh, unofficial decisions on what a public gathering was was given by Mike um, Bowers, the attorney general at that time, and there were two places he said was okay. McDonald's is not a public gathering, nor was a mall. However, he he did agree or he did warn you that going into mall, you had to be careful because while you were in the mall, a public gathering could start up. In other words, if you went through a mall, went down to a store, bought a refrigerator, came back through there, and you got a politician standing over there handing out um, handing out his literature and making a little speech, you're at a public rally. And that meant that you couldn't even have the gun in the, in the parking lot because the Jim Crow law, uh, the public gathering law, prohibited you from having it in the parking lot. And in fact, at church, you couldn't have it in the parking lot unless it was over 200 yards away. So there weren't a lot of places that you could carry. This got rid of the, the uh, public gathering law, which was, as I said, it was, it was very vague. It was, it was meant to be a gotcha law, which I call a gotcha law, because you show up and somebody decides you've broken the law, guess what? We got you. And uh, we got rid of that, and we put a list. We made a list of where you could not carry Laws are written to tell you what you can't do, not what you can do. And a lot of people sometimes want to cross those two up. And why don't we say in in a law that you can open carry? Well, uh, if it says if it doesn't say that you can't, then you can. So uh, we don't want we don't want our government telling us what we can do because everything that they tell us we can do, if you do something different, well, you just broke the law because we didn't say you could do that, and that's not the country we want to live in. But one of the things that this did, it gave us a list of places that you could carry. And at that time, it allowed you to carry into bars with permission of the owner. If you didn't have the owner, it was still against the law. Uh, it changed our license. That's, prior to that, we had a Georgia firearms license, which was a little um, card about the size of a business card that uh, looked like a fourth grader and made it with crayons. Had your fingerprint on it. Why, we don't know, because there wasn't anybody who could read a fingerprint at that time. Uh, at least uh, in the in the vehicle. If a policeman looked at it, he's not going to be able to tell. But you had to have it on there. And they changed that from uh, the Georgia firearms license to a Georgia weapons license. And the Georgia weapons license looks more like a driver's license. It's what we have right now. has your picture on it. And it was changed to a weapons license because now it allowed you to carry a knife with a blade length of uh, over five inches. 
prior to that, that would be against the law for you to carry it. So it became a Georgia weapons license, allowed you to carry a knife and a, uh, and a pistol. It repealed the holster requirement. Now, back in these days, if you wanted to carry a firearm outside, you wanted to walk the dog at 10 o'clock at night, you had to put a holster on if you carried your firearm out there. If you didn't, uh, you were breaking the law. You couldn't put it in the jacket of a windbreaker because you're just going out in the front yard or out in the backyard, wherever you're going. You couldn't do that. So we got rid of the holster requirement, although I still run across policemen that don't realize that. We repealed a 1,000-foot probation and uh, prohibition in school zones. In other words, if you got within a 1,000 feet of a school with a farm, you were breaking the law. Uh, we we proved how ridiculous that was. It, there's just no place hardly you can go that's not within a thousand feet of a of a fire of a school. So uh, we got rid of that. Also, one of the things that was one of the more uh, one of the more uh, contentious efforts was uh, allowed firearms on campus with a valid GWL. You could have them in your vehicle if you have a valid GWL, which is still the case today. Prior to that, you couldn't even have it in your vehicle on a campus. This was what uh, Hank Huckabee said would create, uh, that would cause killings of the professors because the student would get upset and would run down to his car, get a gun, come back, shoot up the place. Never happened, of course. And when we uh, were trying to pass uh, campus carry last year, year before last, the same man stood up and said, we've got a great policy right now. You can keep it in your car. We haven't had any trouble with that. We don't need to go any further. So a lot of these laws people are all against, and then they realize that, that hey, the people that you're, you're passing these laws against are the people that are not going to do anything. Uh, got another break coming up right about now. I want to remind you one more time. Go to georgiacarry.org. Check us out. You can contact me or anybody else you want to contact there. I want to remind you to go to the Commercial Free Podcast at this show at uh, Newstalk1160.com, and we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgeCarry.org Radio Hour. This is uh, segment number four, and to me the time has really gone by. I thought it would be much slower than this. Uh, Once again, I'm doing this show solo, as I told you, and I would like your input. What do you think? If you like something like this, fine. If you don't, let me know. I'll be more than happy to to not do it again because it's a little bit more work than I intended. Um, But I want to continue on with what we've done. Um, so far, I'm almost through with what we accomplished in SB 308 back in 2010. Uh, we said it allowed firearms on campus in a vehicle with a valid GWL. However, you couldn't take it, the firearm out of the vehicle. Uh, if you took it from the passenger uh, compartment to the trunk of the vehicle, you had broken the law. Uh, we repealed the lifetime restriction for misdemeanor marijuana conviction at that at point in time if you had ever had uh, any misdemeanor marijuana conviction doesn't matter if it was 40 years ago 60 years ago or 80 years ago you were prohibited from life by having for having a firearm 
Um, and the reason for that was uh, the lo- way the law was written, if you had a drug conviction, you couldn't uh, ha- be eligible for a GWL. The, uh, the problem was you could, you could be a big drug dealer. You'd go kill somebody, and you could get a pardon for that. You'd go back and get your license. But there was no way to, appeal, or no way to restore a misdemeanor. Uh, problem. So uh, you were stuck. So we got that to where it's now a, um, I think it's a five-year restriction. If you had a, a misdemeanor marijuana charge in the last five years, uh, you're not eligible. If it's been five years in a day, you are eligible. Um, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of people as, as kids make mistakes that they shouldn't have made, and, and they realize that, and there's no need to hold that over there forever. Uh, uh, H, uh, SB 308 uh, required us to have uh, have our license on our person when we were carrying a firearm, and it defined a knife as a an instrument used for offense or defense with a blade length. Uh, I think it had to be attached to a handle with a blade length of five inches or more. So then we we skipped a couple of years. We we tried to pass legislation in uh, 2012. Uh, there were an awful lot of things that went on in 2012 that, that prohibited us from getting anywhere. Uh, and one of them had to do with one of the other groups that we talked about. Um, then in, uh, in 2014, we passed HB60. That was signed into law, the Guns Everywhere Bill. That was the one that, that we made national, well, we made international news over that one. Uh, we were on... Uh, TV and radio all around the world. We were in magazines all around the world, papers, newspapers. Uh, for for about two or three weeks, my my life was one of a TV uh, worker because I spent more time at TV stations than a lot of people did. Uh, but this did an awful lot of things. There's still still some things that we wanted to do, but this was such a step forward that it's uh, it's just kind of unreal. Uh, we uh, some of the things we did, and I'm not sure I'm going to get through all this before the end of the program. Uh, but it prohibited law enforcement from de- detaining a person solely for the purpose of determining if he or she has a license. Prior to that, they could stop you uh, and say, "Let me see a license for that." If they saw you open and carrying, or whether you were concealed, and they saw it, they could stop you and make you show your license. Uh, that is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. And we got that repealed. Uh, this uh, allowed us to carry into government buildings uh, that do not have security screening. If they don't have a post-certified policeman up front at the uh, at the screening device, then they cannot keep you out of a government building. We would like to see that go away, and we're trying our best to get that done as well. That's one of the things in the future that we'll work with. But at least you can go to uh, an awful lot of the places. I know going into the driver's license offices now. Um, last couple of times I've been in there, openly carry, nothing said. And it's just nice that you don't have to to uh, leave yourself defenseless if you go into a place like that, uh, whereas before we had to. Uh, HB 60 allowed you to carry into bars, and if the business owner didn't want you in, then they could kick you out. In other words, private... Um, Bars became private property. Churches are not private property, apparently, not under the law, or not treated as private property. They are private property, but the government treats them differently. Bars were the same way. Now bars are just like private property. 
the owner can tell you whether he wants you there with a firearm or not. And if you uh, are there with one, he can tell you to leave. If you don't leave, you can be arrested for a criminal trespass. And criminal trespass, I will remind you, in the state of Georgia, is punishable by up to a year in jail and or a $1,000 fine. So a misdemeanor sounds like it's not much, and it's not if you compare it to a felony, but it is, and it can be tough on you for not uh, following the law. Uh, it prohibited public housing from denying uh, firearms in their, in those uh, housing projects. Uh, apparently there were some people that had been told by the by the uh, people who ran the public housing that they couldn't have a farm. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. You should have the right to defend yourself no matter what or where. Um, it also allowed suppressors for hunting. Now, um, I, I don't think I'm going to get through this one, so I'm going to let this one go. And we'll, we'll talk about this one on the next program because this was a, an interesting way that, that we got suppressors in there. Um, it added private property to the code section that uh, refers to leases. Uh, in other words, uh, in the past, before HB 60, any leased property, the person who had control of the property through re- lease or rental or whatever, or owner, uh, they could tell you whether or not you could carry a farm. We added private property in there, which prohibits the cities from leasing their property to someone else so that they can keep you from carrying on that property. Uh, they can't do that anymore, and we're in a in a lawsuit over that one. That's why we're fighting over the botanical gardens. Um, it allowed school districts to arm teachers. Uh, prior to that, no way. That's not going to happen. Now, if the school district decides that they want to ar- arm their teachers, they can have proper training. It has to be concealed. has to be kept on the body, and nobody knows who has it except the principal and, the, the well, very few plus the ones that are doing it. Uh, so it's not something that's uh, if somebody comes in and wants to do uh, wants to do harm to somebody they they don't know who they're going to be fighting with. Uh, it redefined the conviction of uh, of anything that stop you from getting a, a Georgia weapons license uh, from uh, vaguely worded uh, from vaguely worded options to. Uh, adjudication of of guilt. Uh, It allowed persons under 18 to obtain a Georgia weapons license, repeal the requirements for fingerprints on renewals. My fingerprints never changed, and yours aren't either. And uh, the GBI was getting $25 a a pop, and it was going up every year. As a matter of fact, I think it was up to like $26.50 or something, in the before we stopped it so um, we got rid of that now your license is back down to to the 30 bucks that it should cost you uh, it uh, refined the reporting of anyone that had been uh, involuntarily committed to a mental hospital to get the information to gcic so they could prohibit them from selling or from buying a firearm until uh, they were uh, adjudicated that it was it would be okay um, it uh, prohibited a database. It did away with the uh, with the uh, governor's um, emergency powers. Prior to then, the governor in a declared emergency could stop you from buying firearms, buying ammunition, or from carrying a firearm unless it was yours, which meant you had to be able to prove on the spot that it was your firearm. 
and that's uh, that's not really a good thing either. So uh, we got rid of that, uh, expanded the preemption list to include uh, school boards, et cetera, and a few other things. I'm uh, almost through with HB 60, so we're going to have to carry this on the uh, next program, and we will do that uh, and go tell you where we've been and finish it up hopefully the next time. Meantime, go to georgiacarry.org. Uh, look us up. Uh, you can download the podcast here at Newstalk1160.com. You can follow us at Georgia Carry on Twitter. I'm at GotYourBack64 on Twitter. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, hosted by Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.